Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode number 96. It's Friday, the end of another week. Dom, it's preview time, and this time, it's for hashtag UFC Vegas 26. And boy, was there some shuffling this week to get this card put together. <laughs> but it, it and, did come together, I will say. You know, there was a, there was a hit song in middle school. By a group called uh, LMFAO. And they said, every day I'm shuffling. <laughs> and that's what this card did. <laughs> so clearly, Cowboy Cerrone is going to come out to that as his entrance song. <laughs> Could you imagine? I, I'd i pick him by a 10-second knockout if that were the case. <laughs> Lovely. So how are you feeling right now? You know, end of another week. Just, you know, obviously we've had a lot of shuffling going on with the card. Not been a, not been a super stacked news week, but some interesting stuff. Like, how's everything going good back home, all that? Yeah, uh, I'm still at 82% unpacked since Wednesday. So, yeah. <laughs> yesterday get to, didn't get to do as much, but we're getting close. Getting close, almost fully set up here in this new studio, quote-unquote. Still grinding, and uh, here we are now at episode 96. Big things coming very soon. Noah, how's your week been in my old apartment? Well, I think I bumped up to about 25%. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so I still got quite a bit to move over. Um, <clears throat> not sure if I'll get it all done this weekend or not. I have till the end of the month to get everything out of my current house. So, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a pressing issue, but I actually will be in your land in your neck of the woods next week. This so, is I true. Mean, it's uh, pretty important to be getting some of this done now. But uh, everything's good, though. Spent the last couple nights in your old apartment. And it's not haunted, so. Yeah, nothing ever happened to me while I was there, so <laughs> hopefully you're in the clear. <laughs> yeah, but uh, as I mentioned at the top here, preview show y'all you guys you guys know the drill come on we've done we've done so many of these oh we've done so many my head hurts (laughs) but this one's gonna be a fun card it's actually a really good really good card oh yeah Um, the headliner's been you know i guess much discussed because this was originally supposed to be the highly anticipated bantamweight bout between Corey sandhagen and the returning tj dillashaw which don't get me wrong Probably one of the most anticipated fights for that entire division all year. Instead, we get a women's flyweight matchup between two natural strawweights, Marina Rodriguez and Michelle Watterson. I'm going to argue it's still a great fight and still worthy of being a headliner considering their last two performances, but I understand it's a step back as far as uh, excitement, but I don't think it's enough to not watch <laughs> oh and, and the card that precedes it is unbelievable this is an incredible fight night literally the first fight of the prelims all the way to the new main event i mean this is a great card and it's an eight o'clock start time which is even better Woo! i'm ready but before we get into it Dom, it's time for the news the news not a ton going on but some big hitters here we One very with, big hitter. Yeah, we start with a postponement, a delay, if you will. Our originally scheduled five-round co-main event, not title fight, between Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards 
has been postponed. It will no longer happen at UFC 262 in about a week. <clears throat> Instead, it's been pushed back to UFC 263. Now, our first five-round non-title fight will be... It's just a feature about... <laughs> So, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Nate Diaz, the one with the injury here, not sure, hasn't been specified what kind of injury we had. But hopefully this fight happens for Leon's sake, right? Oh, man, no kidding. It was undisclosed. I'd say it's nothing too serious. Obviously, they just bump it back four weeks. And now, all of a sudden, yes, that does cause a pretty big hit to 262, but that card was stacked already, and now we get Benny Dayush and Tony Ferguson as the co-main. I'd love if they made that five rounds. Probably won't, but that would be sick. But that card is stacked anyways. Now, the 263 card, June 12th, is insane. We've got Adesanya Vittori 2, Figgy Moreno 2, Diaz Leon Edwards, and then there's like... Five other incredible fights on that card, too, including Paul Craig, Jamal Hill, JoJo Calderwood, Lauren Murphy are fighting on that card. I mean, we've got two back-to-back banger pay-per-views now, and I can't believe we're going to have a five-round fight between two huge-name guys, and then there's still two title fights after it. It's crazy, but I'm hey, I used to be so against this idea, but now all of a sudden it's really starting to grow on me. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, here I am calling for one to happen in a week. Who am I? Would you Would you expect us to do anything different, though? Oh, this podcast has just changed me. I don't know if it's for the better or worse, but it's changed me. Well, I'll tell you what's funny. Isn't it about less than a month ago we were saying, what's on UFC 263? We're like, what's even on <laughs> and this And now card? the card's nuts. Yeah, it really. they really said, oh, okay. They said, oh, okay, you guys want to be a critic now, huh? Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy. We're, I mean, the pay-per-views all year so far, and what we're continuing to get even until July, holy moly, the UFC is hey, the, swinging. The true winners here, the fans. Yeah, you ain't right? kidding. So it's disappointing that this fight gets pushed back, but I mean, as long as it still happens. That's what matters, month, yeah. It's a month difference, you know. What? I'm not going to complain too much about it, you know. Now, as far as that July card, we had two big additions added to UFC 264. The first, Irene Aldana and Yana Kuditskaya. Dom, this is a pretty important fight. Yeah, I love that fight. I think that's a really good fight at women's bantamweight. Uh, I mean, you've got Yana, who's on a tear right now at number five. Aldana at number four. Very important fight. Two fresh matchups for the current champ and Amanda Nunes. So you could truthfully look at it as a number one contender fight because in a division ruled by the queen in Nunes, who has destroyed everyone else, all it takes is one win. I mean, we say it all the time in divisions that have a dominant champion, and it's no different here. I think that's a very fun, stylistic fight. Yana, people are going to sleep on it, but she's only lost once in the UFC, and that was to Chris Cyborg in a title fight at featherweight. She's been on a tear ever since she went down to bantamweight. I think it's a good fight for her and for Aldana, looking to bounce back uh, after the uh, or looking to bounce back in general. And I think it's just a fun fight, and I'm excited for it. And I think this one, along with the one we're going to talk about, both truthfully could be on the main card, and that's going to fill out to be quite a great main card too. Yeah, I gotta agree with you. I think uh, the biggest benefit for these women, you know, facing off here is the fact that they both haven't faced the champion already. Or each other. Huh? Or each other. Right, or each other. So 
you know, you look at Irene Aldada had a chance to really solidify herself as a number one contender, but had a very, I guess, disappointing performance against Holly Holm, or I guess if you want to say Holly Holm just looked incredible. I was going to say, it doesn't help Aldana's case that Holm had the performance of a lifetime. (laughs) Yes, that's true. But Holly Holm's already been finished, beaten, pulverized (laughs) by Amanda Nunes. So, Aldana, you got to think if she could come out here and put on a highlight reel type performance over Kuditskaya. It's going to get the UFC brass to be paying close attention to her. Same with Kuditskaya. She doesn't have that. You just said one loss of the UFC, and it was to Chris Cyborg, who's, what, second best female fighter of all time? Yeah. So there's no reason why a win for Kuditskaya can't already push her to the top as well. Yeah. I, I will say, okay, I'll be honest. I misspoke. She also have one loss at Bantamweight, but it's to Aspen Ladd. I apologize. But still, okay. it's Aspen still, Ladd. You know I mean, what I'm saying? Top, it's a top name for the yeah. division. One loss at Bantamweight. I mean, she's really on a tear right now. She looked incredible in that last fight against Ketlin Vieira, too. I was very impressed. And again, the winner of this, truthfully, could... Just leapfrog the rest. That's just how it is in this division right now. Yeah, it's a good point. Also, on that same date, July 10th, UFC 264, Sugar Sean, he's back. Back again. And we talked about this a little bit on Wednesday, but the, you know he had been kind of putting out hints about who his next opponent was. Ends up being a bit of a, a name that's known. You know, We both know who this guy is, and he's a good fighter, but maybe a bit... It was not, not what the, anyone was expecting. Yeah, Luis Smolka ends up being the name chosen here. And I like Luis Smolka as much as the next guy. He's a good fighter. He's been around for a while. But you felt like, you got to feel like for Shot of Valley, like this is, this feels like a lateral step. It doesn't feel like a step uh, forward for his progression right now. Like you kind of feel like you're just treading the same water you already did with his last couple fights. I know one of those, he lost to Marlon Vera, but then he comes back in a big way, and I feel like they just took a step into the same, you know, they just took another safe step in Luis Smolka here. Yeah, I, I now, thought for sure a ranked opponent would be next for uh, Sugar Sean. I really did. Now, Smolka, he's a game, game opponent, and, you know, we we had our doubts about Marlon Vera, and look what he did, but I just... I'm just saying on paper, I, I won't lie, when it was announced, I was a little bit disappointed at first. Yeah, and we talked on Wednesday about how the push for Sugar Sean is just a little little slower than I think a lot of us thought originally when, when he came out of the uh, Contender Series. But maybe they're doing that on purpose to kind of build him up more, give him quote-unquote easier fights. Again, I said this exact same thing on Wednesday. There are no easy fights in the UFC. We know this. But I just think he's such a big name you probably want to put him up against someone in the top 15 so fans know he's legit. He's already a superstar as it is. And by the way, Sugar Sean on the same card as Conor McGregor. <laughs> UFC, that, that's a good move there, I'm going to be honest with him. So, I mean, I think it could be a fun fight, but I just... I don't know if Luis can really compete in there for three, four rounds against a guy with such great striking like uh, Sugar Sean, man. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and it'll probably be put on the main card. Oh, so yeah, 100%. It's going to be fun having Sean O'Malley and Conor McGregor on the same uh, main card, I would say. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. 
That's all for our fight announcements, but as for the rest, and I'm just going to read what I put on the paper here, Dom. <laughs> WTF, what the fuck is going on with Diego Sanchez? I don't know. And that's my answer. <laughs> let's try, you know, let's tread lightly, right? Is that, yeah. Is that the appropriate That's probably how because, we should approach this. So we'll, we'll first lay out the specifics, because we're a little late to the game on this story. Probably should have talked about this Monday. We consciously didn't because we wanted to see kind of what happened throughout the rest of the week, you know, because he's been – and I guess it was a good thing we did wait. He's been going guy, off. He's been – yeah, he's been saying a lot of crazy stuff. Now, it started with him releasing some videos that his coach, Joshua Fabia, had taken from, like, UFC 253 fight week. You know, Diego Sanchez fought Jake Matthews on that card. And a very disappointing loss for him. You saw videos where it looked like they had him, uh, Fabio Sanchez, and uh, actually Stefan Bonner were left at the airport uh, after the card. Um, there was another video of like the fighter meetings that the commentators put on yeah with paul felder i saw yeah paul felder megan olivi was in there john anik a few others and it is in this fighter meeting fabia kind of went on like a seven minute rant saying that the how they were he was basically started with him just saying that he wanted the commentating to be fair that they felt like they had been kind of ganging up on someone who's they who's a legend like diego and it just kind of spiraled from there to being a complaint about the media and stuff, which, you know, these are people, these are UFC commentators. They're not really the media. So well, and Fabia had even had that altercation with Matt Serra on Fight Island as well, if you remember. Was that on, was that on Fight Island? Yeah, I believe so. I felt, like, at, I felt at, like that was a long time ago. It may have been before. I thought it was during COVID regardless, I'm pretty sure at least. Maybe not. But, yeah, you know, this coach is just kind of had his run-ins with everybody. But after this, everybody kind of was like, wow, these videos do not make these guys look good. And they put it out there themselves. So I guess what ends up happening is the UFC ends up releasing Diego Sanchez from his contract because Joshua Fabio apparently had went to, uh, I don't know if it was the UFC's medical staff or whatever, and they wanted all of Diego's medical information, essentially from every time he's visited a medical team since he started fighting for the UFC. So Sean Shelby sees that and is like, uh, what is going on here? And they end up calling him with their legal representative and are like, look, if, if you are trying to tell us that Diego's like, got some physical like if, he, if he's dealing with some injuries or something we're gonna pull him from the fight and that's gonna be it and that's what it originally was he was just removed from the fight with cowboy and then all this stuff just i don't know crazy well they like a they snowball they needed a statement they needed a statement from like in writing from fabia and sanchez saying that he did not he did not have any like uh, ongoing head injuries or trauma or physical ailments due to fighting, uh, stuff like that. 
and they didn't sign it. So UFC releases him from his contract. Uh, now they did give him his, uh, they gave him his show money for the cowboy fight, his win bonus, and his uh, his sponsorship bonus as well. Really? So they did. So I, this goes to show that the problem here is more lies with the coach, not the fighter. Diego Sanchez, a highly respected fighter, uh, the the original Ultimate Fighter winner. Oh yeah. So it's so disappointing for his career to go out like this. Yeah, it's just it's just ugly, and it seems there's been such a dark cloud over Diego's career ever since he started with this coach, and it's just gotten progressively worse and worse. And you know, I just I wish him well, and I hope there's nothing wrong or something we're not seeing. If there's something behind the scenes, because he really is a legend for the UFC. Again, as you mentioned, the OG Ultimate Fighter winner, one of the two. And he's been in absolute just slugfest, some of the best fights we've ever seen ever since 2005. And to think here we are 16 years later calling it quits, it's, um, I don't know, man. It's it's interesting, it's unfortunate, but again, all we can do is just kind of wish the best and hope there's nothing worse behind the scenes we're not seeing. Well, I think the reason you're saying that is not just because of this, but also because of Really, this week he's he's kind of got on a lot of rants. He's been on a big media tour against the UFC. Uh, do you want to elaborate on some of the comments he's been making? I mean, just things, uh, paranoia about how he thinks the UFC is going to come after him in a couple years, and don't be surprised if he like shows up and you hear some bad news about him or dead or injured and. Yeah. Just very odd stuff, and he went on a very big rant about Dana and how he's... I, I don't know, man. It's just... It makes you uncomfortable listening to it, even. And it, then it makes you wonder, like, okay, maybe he should seek treatment, or maybe there is something wrong. I mean, again, a guy that's been in a lot of wars, you can only hope that maybe it's just anger and frustration that's leading him saying a lot of this, outside of, like, some internal issues and... I mean, that's really all I can say on it, to be truthful. Yeah, I don't blame you. I think that's kind of where we're going to leave it. But hopefully, just want the best for Diego. Truthfully, don't think that his coach has the best intentions for him. But, again, that appears to be more speculative right now. So we'll just leave it there. But that's going to be it for today's edition of the news. The news. We've got a six-fight main card, ladies and gentlemen. Six fights. It's been too long since we've had one. Oh, oh, it's been too long, Noah. Just wait. They're going to, at the last second, pluck one of these off the main card. And you gonna... better <laughs> shut it. I mean, look at the fight we're starting the main card off with. Hello? <laughs> this is a big one. Women's strawweight. Amanda Hebus. Still probably the biggest prospect in the division. Going up against a true veteran. Mm-hmm. Been there for the division starting point. The Angela always Hill. game, Angela Hill. Oh, was that my segue? Yeah, that was your segue. Okay, so again, Amanda Hebos, Angela Hill. Amanda is ten and two, four and one in the UFC. She's got three KO TKOs and four submissions. Five of those seven have came in the first round. Notable wins, her debut against Emily Whitmire in a dominant uh, fashion and then finished her with a submission. 
Two back-to-back decision wins, once against Mackenzie Dern, that was Dern's first career loss, and against Randa Marcos, and then submitted Paige Van Zant last summer at Fight Island. Notable losses, she actually has lost to Poliana Viana. That was back at Jungle Fight 83 in Brazil in 2015. That was via KO. And then one half of the headliner of UFC Vegas 26, Marina Rodriguez, TKO'd Amanda uh, earlier this year in January at UFC 257. Um, After a really, Amanda looked amazing in round number one, but went out early in round two. Brutal shot there by Rodriguez. And for Angela Hill, she's 13-9, and 8-9 in the UFC with five KO TKOs. Notable wins against Ashley Oder twice, the second one being her most recent victory. Uh, both of those via decision, and also has a TKO victory over Hannah Cyphers. But man, if you look at the notable losses, she has fought the who's who of this weight class ever since it really began in the UFC. And it starts with Carla Esparza. On the Ultimate Fighter Season 20, in the first round, she lost via submission. That was in 2014. And then actual UFC fights, Tisha Torres via decision. She got submitted by current champion Rose Namajunas. Uh, lost the decision to Jessica Andrade and Nina Nunes. A split decision to Courtney Casey. Submitted by Rena Marcos. Uh, a unanimous decision to Jan Jaunan, who's about to fight Carla Esparza in a number one contender fight. And then back-to-back split decisions, one against Claudia Gadella. We both feel very confidently that she won that fight and got robbed. And then the other half of the Vegas 26 main event, Michelle Watterson, her and Angela had a fight of the year contender in 2020. They battled to a split decision, and Michelle got the advantage on the judges' scorecards in a razor-close fight, super competitive. And really, that's the way to describe Angela Hill's whole career. She's always in these competitive hard-fought battles, and I don't think it's going to be any different in this one. However, how do you feel she fares against someone as well-rounded as Amanda Hebos? Yeah, um, a lot of questions have came up about Amanda Hebos's, I guess, true well-roundedness after her last performance. I mean, looked really good round one. But it was the strengths that we already know she has. It's that jiu-jitsu. She's really good with that. Very slick with jiu-jitsu and getting the fight to the ground. But on the feet, man, she got starched. There's no way around it. And now Marina Rodriguez, one of the best when it comes to the stand-up. Man, and who saw that power coming? And her power very much carries in that division. Angela Hill, not going to have the same kind of power, which fares well for... Amanda Hebus, but she is still someone that will put the pressure on you. She will, you know, she'll she'll put you in a dogfight. And she's a veteran. She knows how to kind of squeak out, keep herself competitive in some of these fights that maybe she shouldn't be competitive in. She's came up on the wrong end of a few split decisions, as we've talked about. Um, she's a dog, man. She's great. I don't think that she's going to be able to beat Amanda Hebus though in this matchup. I think Amanda's going to come back here and. I think she's got something to prove. You know, I don't even know if it's that, though. I I wouldn't even surprise me if Amanda plays it safe here. Uh, I just think. I think Amanda's too technically sound right now. And I think that uh, she'll win this fight, but I think it's going to be via decision. See, I'm kind of in the opposite spectrum where I think Amanda's going to come out and be aggressive. And that's only because. Man, Angela Hill can set a pace, too. 
And uh, when she gets on you and pushes you up against the fence with her output, it can cause some issues, especially when you know she can go for five rounds. We saw it most recently with Michelle. I think Amanda's going to come in and look to get it done early, and I think she's going to be able to do that. I'm going Amanda Hebas, a bounce-back victory to start off the main card. First round submission. We don't see Angela Hill get finished often, but I think Hebas is going to He's, she's going to come out and make a statement, I believe, this Saturday night. Cool. Two underrated lightweights going at it next. This fight, big sleeper on the card right here. No shit. Diego Fajera looking to bounce back from his loss to Benil Dariush. Going up against Gregor Gillespie, who we haven't seen since he got head kicked into, into going Oblivion. for a year and a yeah. half uh, against Kevin Lee. Yeah, man, and again, Diego just had that three-round war with Benil Dariush earlier this year. Gillespie, previously scheduled to fight Brad Rydell a few weeks ago. Really, it's probably over a month ago at this point. I don't remember the specific date. Now they both got rebooked different opponents, and honestly, both guys have more competitive, more fun fights, in my opinion, so I love it. But first, we start with Gregor versus Diego. Diego is 17-3. and three. 8-3 and three in the UFC, he's got 3 KOTKOs, 7 submissions, 4 of those 10 finishes have been in the first round, notable wins against Oliver, Auburn, Mercier via decision, he TKO'd Jared Gordon and submitted Anthony Pettis, notable losses, well, 2 out of 3 have been to the same guy, Benil Dariush beat him twice, once via unanimous and once via split decision, and then got KO'd by Dustin Poirier, outside of that, a flawless record. At the other end, Gregor Gillespie, 13-1, and 6-1 and one in the UFC, 6 KOTKOs, 5 submissions. That's 11 out of 13 via finish, and 7 of those 11 have came in the first round. Notable win against Yancey Medeiros. He TKO'd him there. And the lone loss in the UFC and in his entire professional career, the brutal head kick from Kevin Lee over a year ago now. And I'm telling you, this is a battle... Of two of the most underrated fighters in that division and honestly in the UFC. And it's crazy because I said the exact same thing when Diego Ferreira fought Benil Dariush earlier this year. But of course, as we all know, Benil about to fight Tony next week. So both these guys getting that shine in this first quarter of 2021. I think this fight is very fun on paper. It's very fun because it's so interesting. I mean, both these guys like the fight on the ground. But Gillespie likes to take it there, like to be on top. He's a baller of a grappler. I mean, he will not stop for those takedowns. But for Fahera, he'll let the fight get to the ground because he's so good with his submissions, even off his back. And that's where this matchup gets really interesting. You know, Gillespie, he will, he can submit you, but he also can very much just TKO you with some ground and pound. I mean, it's... There, he's just he's constantly throwing something, you know. He really tries to get in your head when he gets these takedowns. Really put puts his puts his forehead up against your chin, just always kind of making you uncomfortable. So that's where this matchup is so interesting because Fajera is going to be kind of in a place where he is comfortable if he's underground. So I don't know, Dom. Where do you kind of see who takes kind of the the edge here? This is my fight of the night. Uh, I think this is going to be really? a. I, I think it's going to be a grinded out fight. And sometimes, again, when we get these grapplers, they might just try and stand and bang. I think it could be really fun. 
But I actually see Diego Ferreira coming out on the winning side of this via decision. I think it's going to be a very good, very fun fight. Love this stylistically. I love the matchmaking. A big stage for both guys being on the main card. I think Fajara gets it done. Razor-thin decision victory for him. I'm going to go with uh, Gregor this one. I think uh, Gregor's got the offensive prowess to really kind of dominate this fight. A lot of Fajara's weapons here are going to be kind of defensively. You know, the submissions when he's really trying to scramble out from the bottom, stuff like that. It can get really interesting there because, you know, I mean, Gregor's ever been caught in a submission. You know, the only loss he has had kick KO. But it wouldn't surprise me. I'm going to go with Gregor, though. I think he's going to really just, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expect another play-it-safe type performance here. I think Gregor gets it done with the decision win in this one. I love it. I love it. On to the next fight. We got... Lost my sheet here. <laughs> Magni Neal? Nope. The heavyweights? Fight, heavyweight boy. The big E-boys. <laughs> Marcos Rogerio de Lima going up against Maurice Green. Now this one's interesting. Very interesting fight, but what's a main card without some heavyweights? Am I right? Maurice Green is 9-5, and 4-3 and three in the UFC. He's got two KOTKOs, five submissions, six of those seven finishes in the first round. Notable win against John Volante via submission. Notable losses to Sergei Pavlovich via TKO. Uh, got submitted by Alexei Olenek, again, who doesn't get submitted by that guy. And got TKO'd most recently uh, by Greg Hardy. For Marcus, he's 17-7-1. Six and five in the UFC. He's got 12 KOTKOs, three submissions, 13 of those 15 finishes in the first round. No notable wins, in my opinion, although he's fought some tough guys, but notable losses. Man, he's got a bit of a resume here. Nikita Krylov via submission, got submitted by Ovent St. Prue, got submitted by Stefan Struve, got submitted by Alexander Romanov and Noah. He's getting submitted again tomorrow night at UFC Vegas 26 when Maurice Green finishes him in the first round via submission. I guess I should just reiterate it again. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough because Deliva has the better names on his resume, but they're all in losing efforts. Right. Now, he's losing via submission to, you know, Ovid St. Peru. A great submission specialist. You got uh, Nikita Krylov, another great submission specialist. Stefan Struve, eh. but you know it happens. The skyscraper, baby. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know he's not lose. You know he's losing via submission, but it's it's usually to very technical submission specialist. Maurice Green has submission capabilities. He's very good on the ground. But as was apparent in his last fight with Greg Hardy, he's a bit of a novice on the feet. And Deliva can really, if, if Deliva can keep this fight on the feet, I have no doubt that he can knock out or finish Murray Green with his hands. If Greg Hardy can do it, then someone like Deliva, who's been doing it much longer, can do it as well. 
And that's why I'm actually going to go with Barco's Rogerio de Lima via second round KOTK. I love the little beat you had there to rev up your prediction. (laughs) I like that. I I like it. I had to think about it. Now moving on to... Neil versus Neil. I mean, again, this could have been a main event. versus Jeff, Neil, a big one at welterweight. Yeah, could have been a main event here. This fight originally scheduled for last August, fell through. Both guys have since fought, uh, went their separate ways. But they find each other here at UFC Vegas 26. Neil Magny is 24-8, and 17-7 in the UFC. Again, one of the most slept-on guys on the roster. Seven KOTKOs, three submissions. Notable wins against Kelvin Gastelum via split decision. TKO'd Hector Lombard. Uh, and then all decision victories here. Johnny Hendricks, Carlos Condit, Lee Jing Liang, Anthony Rocco Martin, and Robbie Lawler. Notable losses to Damian Maya via submission. Everyone loses Damian Maya via submission. He got TKO'd by Lorenz Larkin, submitted by RDA, KO'd by Santiago Ponzinibbio, and most recently, in his main event on Fight Island, lost the decision to Michael Chiesa. On the other end, Jeff Neal is 13-3, and 5-1 and in the UFC, and then he came into the UFC from the Contender Series, so got a win there. He's got 8 KOTKOs, 2 submissions, 6 of those 10 finishes in the first round. Notable wins already in his young career against Bilal Muhammad via decision, TKO'd Nico Price, and Mike Perry. Notable losses, he actually fought Kevin Holland back in the day at Extreme Knockout 34 in 2017 and got TKO'd, and then in his biggest fight yet of his career, fought Steven Thompson and lost a decision in what was his first main event in the UFC. This fight, to me, is kind of that grappler versus striker, although Magny is that grappler that can keep it in the clinch and grind you out uh, you know, uh, up against the cage. Not necess- I mean, he can get the takedowns, obviously, and ground and pound you, but he loves that clinch work. So it's going to be a tough fight here for Neil, but, man, he's got the power to really post some threats if it gets into that dirty boxing range. That could cause problems for Neil Magny, I believe. Yeah, this is, uh, this is, a, this is a big fight for both guys, but for Neil Magny, he's once again in a position that's probably pretty familiar to him. He got, you know, he hit pretty he hit pretty close to his ceiling and then comes into a fight with Michael Chiesa where if he wins that you know he's a fight away maybe from a title shot and then he puts in a pretty subpar performance truthfully it wasn't a great performance from him so now it's kind of like we're back at square one in a way even if it's not really that extreme it just kind of feels that way with Neil Bagney right now like it you know there's not it's kind of like the What's the word? Like the the love is gone. Like the, you know, you're just, we were all, it was like we were rooting for you. And now it's like, ah, man. Well, again, like we always say, he gets to those, that biggest fight, that, 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 that one fight where he's one away from really cracking in and he falls. So he's matched up again with a guy in Neil. Now it's a tough test, but still a step back in terms of the rest of this crazy stacked welterweight division. I we think the veteran expertise plays a factor here. Saying, we gotta stop saying Neil so much in this one. <laughs> Magni. <laughs> Magni and Jeff. Okay. Now what I what I've what I'm getting at here is that 
Jeff Neal coming off a gutsy performance against Stephen Thompson, but one where he was clearly outmatched in the striking department. I I, I wouldn't say he'd be outmatched here with uh, Neil Bagney, but, you know, Neil Bagney does have some tricks up his sleeve, man. You're right. For a guy that has such a reach like his, he loves to get up close, punch up, get that dirty boxing going. And really, that probably is to his benefit in this fight. Jeff Neal has the knockout power to finish Neil Bagney, but he's also he's he's not quite developed the fight IQ to really keep someone as technically sound as Neil Bagney off of him for three rounds. So that's where this fight gets really interesting. Um, I could see it going really either way. I am gonna go with I'm gonna go with. Jeff Neal, mm. and I'm going to go via – I'm actually going to go via decision, though, funny enough. You think so? You uh, think you can get it over the course of three I, rounds? I, I think this is going to be a really close fight, a bit of a tit for Ted. I think each guy maybe gets a round going into the third, and then maybe Magny drops him or something – or excuse me, Jeff Neal drops Neal Magny or something and gets the edge that way. But um, it'll be a good bounce back and probably – a better performance for Neil Bagdy, but leave it there for now. See, again, so I'm going to revisit our point, like I was saying, where Magny gets to the, that biggest fight and falters, but then he can like just go on a tear right after. I think we're going to see the start of something else here for Magny. I think the veteran expertise is going to play a huge factor. I think his grappling and just that, that grinded-out style when he puts people up on the fence, man. He's way stronger than what meets the eye, too. Because Jeff Neal, he's a tank. This dude's strong. But I think Magny's going to be able to get the edge. Now, at distance, obviously there's going to be problems with Jeff Neal's power. But over the course of three rounds, if Magny can implement that grappling, I think he's going to grind it out, tire Neal. I think he grinds out a decision. I think Magny gets it done against the, the rising prospect. And then again... What could be next for Magny? One more big fight. Who knows what will happen after this one. But all I know is UFC Vegas 26, he gets it done again with his 18th UFC victory. Everyone, I mean, think about it. This guy's been grinding out in the UFC for years now. He's very slept on, and uh, I think he's going to show it on Saturday. You know what's what's interesting, though, is that like this really isn't even like a a step back that much. I mean, Jeff Neal is a very... Highly regarded, I guess you call him prospect still. Uh, he's a guy with a lot of momentum. I know he got, you know, put in his place a little bit by Thompson, but still a guy with a lot of hype around him. In, in some ways, like a win here, he's kind of propelled still to the same position. Like it's, if anything, it's sort of on the same level as the Kiesa fight in my eyes. Yeah. Like rather than getting a true step back, He's given someone whose ceiling is probably higher than Michael Chiesa right now. That's a good point. Just Jeff Neal's got to really work on some of the other aspects of his game. Right. But one thing that that guy does show a lot of is if you let him, he will bully you in the cage. Yeah. Yeah. And not to harp on this, but Neil Magny did kind of allow himself to get bullied against Ponzinibbio. And I even would go as far to say he let himself get bullied against Michael Chiesa a little bit. Oh, definitely did. Definitely. So... Because of that, I just see if Jeff Neal's – it's kind of a mental thing. If Jeff Neal mentally sees himself as superior 
And if he starts kind of getting in his groove a little bit, then it's going to be a long night for Neil Magny in my eyes. Yeah. A lot of disagreements so far. I like it. I know. Now we're on to the co-main event of the evening. Oh, boy. Talk about some shakeup. Woo! Diego Sanchez originally supposed to be in here, but obviously, as we talked about the news, no longer with the UFC because of that. The Cowboy needs a new dance partner. Donald Cerrone goes up against Alex Morano, making the call. What are your thoughts here? Well, the Cowboy's in the saddle again, Noah. <laughs> and boy, do I have a laundry list of stuff to talk about here. So throw in some drinks, get you some popcorn, because whoo, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, 36 wins, 15 losses, Two no contests. He is 23 and 12 with one no contest in the UFC. The all time leader in wins in the UFC. The all time leader in finishes in the UFC. The all time leader in bonuses. He's going to tie Jim Miller for the most UFC appearances when he walks into that cage Saturday night. The list goes on and on. Kind of like how this list is about to be with his opponents. He's got 10 KOTKOs, 17 submissions. That's 27 out of 36 via finish. 15 of those in the first round. Notable wins. James Krause at WEC 41 in 2009 via submission. Way back. And now, Charles Oliveira, who's getting ready to fight for a title. Ah, Donald TKO'd him. He submitted Dennis Seaver. A decision over Jeremy Stevens. KO'd Melvin Gillard. Submitted Edson Barboza. KO'd Jim Miller. Decision over Eddie Alvarez. Decision over Miles Jury and Benson Henderson. TKO'd John McDessie. Submitted Alex Oliveira. TKO'd Patrick Cote. TKO'd Rick Story. KO'd Matt Brown with a brutal head kick. That one was nasty. A TKO of Yancey Medeiros. Submitted Mike Perry. TKO'd Alexander Hernandez. And his most recent victory... A main event decision over Al Iaquinta. Notable losses. He's lost to Benson Henderson twice, once via decision, once via submission. Uh, lost the decision to Nate Diaz, got KO'd by Anthony Pettis. Uh, has lost to Rafael Dos Anjos twice, once via decision, once via TKO. Uh, lost the TKO to Jorge Masvidal, a decision to Robbie Lawler. TKO'd by Darren Till during his rise. Uh, lost the decision to Leon Edwards. And this is where it starts to get a little murky water here for Cowboy's career because in his last five fights, we've got no wins. Now, his most recent fight was against Nico Price, and it was a no contest. However, before that was on a four-fight losing streak. Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor, all via TKO, and then lost the decision to uh, Anthony Pettis. So he's lost to Anthony Pettis twice. And here we are now, coming into this with Alex Morano. Definitely a step back in terms of name value, but Alex Morano is still a stud in his own right, man. He's 18 and 7 with one no contest, 7 and 4 in the UFC with the no contest. He's got 5 KOT KOs, 6 submissions, 10 out of those 11 in the first round, with notable wins against Song Kinan via decision and Max Griffin via decision. Notable losses to Chaos Williams via KO as does everyone that faces Chaos Williams, that loses to Chaos, I should say. And then lost a decision to Anthony Pettis in his most recent bout, and that was actually Pettis' last fight in the UFC. I think this is a really fun stylistic fight, 
But it seems like right now we're seeing that motivated cowboy, that dad strength cowboy trying to make a return. What do you think is going to happen here, Noah? So this is my fight of the night pick. I'm going to be honest. I think this fight's going to be beautiful chaos, if you will. You're right. Cowboy Sardi does look super motivated coming into this one. We haven't seen him since the fall. Hopefully that plays gap. a positive factor for him because this is a guy yeah. that was fighting every week, you know? Yeah, you look You look at when he lost to Conor McGregor to start off our first pay-per-view in 2020. He then fought on 249 against Anthony Pettis, and then we didn't see him again until that fight night in, what, October, I think? Yeah, it was against, a ways uh, a while ago. Against Nico Price. You know, that's still three times in a year, but yet it felt like <laughs> felt like we haven't seen him in forever. Yeah. But really, it's just he's taken a good amount of time off here. And he's going up against Alex Morano, who you're right, very tough guy in his own right. He's very good if this fight gets to the ground. You saw that in the Anthony Pettis fight. He completely controlled round one, just kind of dominated Anthony Pettis on the ground, but... Once the fight stays on the feet for a little bit too long, you know, not that Morano doesn't have capabilities on the feet, but when you're going up against a guy like Cowboy Cerrone, you got to come with a little bit more than just capabilities. And because of that, I really think that uh, really no matter where this fight goes, I think Cowboy really does have the skills to finish this fight anywhere. Well, Cowboy's ground game's so slept on, you know? That's a great point. You know, Murado, first-degree black belt in BJJ, but Cowboy has some really good submissions in his own right, and he's even a black belt as well in BJJ. So <laughs> these guys, like, it's really – I don't see where Murado is really better than Cowboy outside of, at this point, is Cowboy's chin able to hold up? Mm-hmm. You know, he nearly got finished in that Nico Price fight, and – Probably would have, and he would have lost if not for the fact that a point got taken away. Now, I thought he beat Anthony Pettis, so it's kind of like a null and void point there. I still think Cowboy gets one done here. He said his quote coming into fight week is that he, he wants one more run, so another one of those one last stand. He said, I'm shooting one last run for a title, and when I lose, I'm done. So because of that, I think he's going to start off strong here. I'm going to go with the round three KOTKO for Cowboy Cerrone, fight of the night. Yeah, I, I think this is a very fun fight. I think it will be back and forth in that first round especially. And I think round two is where the tide's going to turn. I think Cowboy hurts Murano on the feet. We saw him get badly hurt against Pettis, had the spaghetti legs. Uh, I think Cowboy is then able to get him on the ground. I think he actually finishes an injured Murano in the second round via submission. Uh, I think it's going to be a barn burner. It always is when Cowboy fights, and it's not going to change here in the co-main event. But the Cowboy rides once more. <laughs> well said. In our main event of the evening, two women's strawweights fighting up a division at women's flyweight. Marina Rodriguez, Michelle Watterson. What do you say with this one? Well, first off, I'm going to say no slander is tolerated. I just nope. wanted to get that off my chest now. Nope. But Marina Rodriguez is 13-1 and with two draws, has one of the funkiest UFC records in her young career so far, three 
one and two in the UFC, and then uh, got her start in the UFC from the Contender Series, so she got a win there on the Brazilian version. Uh, she has got six KO TKOs, one submission, four of those seven in the first round. Notable wins already, though, against Jessica Aguilar via decision, Tisha Torres via decision, and then that TKO, as we mentioned, against Amanda Hebos. Man, she's got some hidden power in those hands. The lone loss on her record was to former champion Carla Esparza, and that was a razor, razor close split decision. And then the two draws, I mean, definitely worth mentioning here, Randa Marcos and Cynthia Calvillo. For Michelle Watterson, back for her second straight main event. She's 18-8, and 6-4 and four in the UFC, a former champion in Invicta. She's got three KO TKOs, nine submissions, eight of those 12 in the first round. Notable wins against Jessica Panay. That was actually in Invicta, uh, Invicta FC number five to be exact, in 2013 via submission. She submitted Paige Van Zant. Uh, split decision over Courtney Casey. Uh, two unanimous decisions over Felice Herrig and Carolina Kovalkiewicz. And then her most recent bout, again, the fight of the year contender last year against Angela Hill, edged out a split decision there. Notable losses to current champion Rose Namajunas via submission after getting brutally head-kicked in that fight. I think a lot of people forgot how that submission started. Uh, lost the decision to Tisha Torres and Joanna Young-Jacek and a split decision uh, with Carla Esparza. So both of these women have razor-thin split losses to Carla. I think this is a really fun, uh, stylistic chess match on the feet, Noah. I agree. But I think one's going to overtake the other here. And truthfully, you know, as good as Michelle Watterson can be at times, I her technique is, you know, it's good. But Marina is just a whole other beast. Man, that, that fight, that her last performance showed a lot for me. Well, I truthfully think that this fight being uh, at 125 plays a big factor in this because Michelle Watterson and we're talking about an atom weight she was a 105 pound fighter and Invicta man I mean she's small and Rodriguez relatively big at this weight class you saw how she looked against Hebos I think the weight class plays a big factor here yeah that's what I was gonna say too is that uh, the weight classes here played a big a big factor because Rodriguez is already so big for for uh, 115 yeah and now that she's this fight's at flyweight, you know, I just the power's going to be there even more. Uh, she's probably not going to lose much on her movement. I mean, her technique's still going to be there. I really think this is a tough fight for Michelle Watterson to take on right now. You know, for someone like her who is technical, who who can do some very slick things on the feet, but also kind of she's a bit over technical at times. You know, you'll see clips online of her throwing fates, but she'll be like 10 feet away from the person. You know, it's just sometimes she's a little too much into the, the technical side and to the point where it's like at her own, you know, it's not really helping her win the fight. So I'm actually going to go with Marina Rodriguez here. I think this is going to be a bit one-sided. I mean, we're going to go that far. I still think this fight probably goes to a decision. I, I, I want to say, I want to give Marina a finish here, but... I don't want to put too much on her last performance. You know, she's still not someone that necessarily finishes at a very high rate. So uh, because of that, I'm going to go with the decision. Yeah, I do think Marina gets it done over the course of five rounds. I will say 
on the on the other end, because like I said, the weight's going to play a factor positively for Rodriguez. I think five rounds does play a factor for Watterson because she's been there and done that. She's been in multiple main events, but I think the weight is going to play a bigger uh, bigger dividends here. I think Marina gets it done via decision. I think it will be razor close. I look for this fight, if it goes to the ground, to be very interesting because Michelle, similar to Cowboy, very slept on ground skills. But And that's and that's where we have seen Marina struggle. But it's can Michelle get her to the ground? And if she can, can she hold her down, especially at 125 pounds? Again, yeah, it's all coming back to the weight class for me in this one. That, that's 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 a big that's a big ask for her. Yeah. Is if you can get her down to hold her down. Yeah. You know, Marina, even if she's not the most technically sound gra- grappler, she could she might just pull a Derek Lewis and just stand power up her way. Up. Yeah. So really uh, can't be that simple for her. Yeah, man. It, I'm. I don't think we're making too big of a deal. Uh, I think we're nailing it on the head. 125 pounds, look for it to play a factor, and I think Rodriguez gets it done via decision in a close fight, but I think she does, or I think she will show some things in this that impress a lot of people. Cool. That's going to wrap up our preview for hashtag UFC Vegas 26. As for the rest, well, I guess as for next week, Monday, it's going to be a recap of the fights that we just talked about here. And then Friday, it's going to be a huge preview show for Holy UFC 262. Holy UFC 262, a new lightweight champion will be crowned Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. And then now, as you mentioned earlier, Tony Ferguson and Benil Darius, the new co-main event of that card. Oh, we got Shane Burgos, Edson Barboza on that card. Prelims, Jacare Souza's on the prelims, Matt Schnell and Rogerio Bontaran, Andrea Lee, Antonina Shevchenko. Ooh, ooh. Man, it's stacked. Yes, thank you. I thought I lost you there for a second. Sucks <laughs> when I can't see you. <laughs> but uh, until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at dsley 14 and find the podcast, more importantly, on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to my link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First... Leave you a voice message. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight, a news story, if you just want to say hi or say we're a couple pieces of shit, you do it there. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out. We'll see you all on Monday.